my name is Jody Farhat, and Chief of the Corps Missouri River Basin Water Management Office. My staff and I regulate the six dams in the nation of the Missouri River. Unfortunately, last Thursday, we were forced to cancel the public meeting that was scheduled for Pier uh, due to fog, which prevented us from landing at the airport. So we scheduled this webinar in lieu of that public meeting. So we are going to present the same information that we presented last week, and after the presentation, we'll have time for questions and answers. So I thank you all for joining us today, and with that, I'll turn it over to Kevin Grody, who will begin the presentation. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. I'll try to call out the slide numbers as we go through, so we're all on the same slide if you're not on the webinar. Um, as Jody mentioned, uh, the SPEAR meeting last Thursday was an, intended to be our fifth of five meetings that we have throughout the basin to bring everyone up to speed with our operation of the main stem project. So last Tuesday we started in Smithville, Missouri, and then we ended Tuesday in Council Bluffs, Iowa. On Wednesday we were at Fort Peck and then Bismarck, and then Thursday, of course, we were supposed to be in Pier. I'm moving on to slide two now. Uh, it shows a picture of the uh, Missouri River Basin, 529,000 square miles. Uh, hopefully you can see this pointer here, but it starts up here in the mountains of uh, Montana, 2,321 miles, uh, and makes its way all the way through the basin, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, splits Nebraska and Iowa, splits Kansas and Missouri, finds its way through Missouri until it reaches here. Or it uh, confluences with the Mississippi River at St. Louis. And on the Missouri River, we have the six main stem projects. We have Fort Peck, Garrison, Owaki, Big Bend, Fort Randall, and Gavin's Point. And here's a picture of all three, all six of those projects. So now I'm on slide three. The mission of our office is to regulate the Missouri River main stem reservoirs to support congressionally authorized purposes. There are eight authorized purposes. Flood control, hydropower, water supply, water quality control, recreation, navigation, fish and wildlife, which includes the threatened and endangered species, and irrigation. Now moving on to slide four. One of the things that folks have asked us in the last year is to present to them what is the amount of drainage area coming into each one of those main stem reservoirs. So this graphic is intended to depict that. Uh, here we see the drainage area into Fort Peck, Garrison, Oahe, Big Bend and Fort Randall, and then Gavin's Point. Of that 529,000 square miles that I described previously, you can see that the main stem system right here in this table down here indicates it captures 279,000 or almost 280,000 of that entire area. Within that, we do have some uh, smaller tributary projects that the Omaha District uh, regulates. In addition to that, this light blue indicates uh, regulation by the Omaha District outside of that 279,000 square miles. And then we have tributary projects that are, are uh, regulated by the Kansas City District outlined here in yellow. What you see here, though, in where there is no coloration is the unregulated areas of the Missouri River Basin. So moving on to slide five, 
This graphic depicts the overall storage of each one of the reservoirs, the Corps of Engineers reservoirs in the lower 48 states. There's over 500 uh, Corps of Engineers reservoir projects. And you can see that Fort Peck, Garrison, and Oahe are far larger than any of the other Corps of Engineers storage projects. And they were built that large for a reason. They were built that large to get us through long, extended droughts, uh, such as in the 1930s. So this graphic, and I'm on slide six right now, um, shows the four zones. And in this case, it shows, shows the four zones of the system. And when I say that, uh, what I mean is that if we took all six of the individual projects and put them all into one, that would represent the system, because we operate the six projects individually, but we also operate them as a system. And uh, so some, some of our decisions are actually based on things like system storage. How much water do we have in all six of the projects? So the four zones, we'll start here at the bottom, is the permanent pool zone, the lowermost zone. And this is the minimum amount of storage we need to operate for some authorized purposes, such as hydropower. The largest zone is the carryover multiple use zone. And as I indicated before, um, the projects are very large, especially the upper three, Fort Peck, Garrison, and Oahe, and they have a tremendous amount of carryover multiple use zone to get us through long extended droughts. I'm going to skip this zone right now and go to the top zone, the exclusive flood control zone. And just as the name implies, when we are in this top zone, we are regulating exclusively for flood control. The zone right here, the annual flood control and multiple use zone, is where we like to be 12 months out of the year. Ideally, we would start the runoff season about or at the base of the annual flood control and multiple use zone. And then as we saw runoff from the plains of snow and rainfall during March and April, we'd, we'd raise the pool would rise slightly into this annual flood control and multiple use zone. And then as we continued through the runoff season through May, June, and July, and we saw the rainfall as well as the mountain snowpack melt off, we would rise even further into this annual flood control and multiple use zone. And then during the drier months, we would slowly meter that water out to meet all the authorized purposes until we began the next year at the base of the annual flood control and multiple use zone. This is where we were at in April 10th about a week ago, uh, 58.7, which is 2.6 million acre feet into this 16.3 million acre feet flood control zone. And that's where we're at right now, eight days later, 58.7. So we take those same four zones and we apply them to all the reservoirs. Now in this case, we're just showing Fort Peck, Garrison, and Oahe because those are the, the three large reservoirs on the, uh, on the system. And you can see that for those three reservoirs, we're a few feet uh, into the annual flood control multiple use zone for, for Fort Peck and Garrison, and just slightly into there for Oahe. And again, 58.7 million acre feet, which we showed in the previous slide. So now we're on slide eight. So this slide is to indicate the runoff components, how the water comes into the reservoir system, and it's really comprised of three components. We have plains of snowpack, which normally melts off in March and April, and then, of course, the precipitation that occurs during those two months. Now, this year, the plain snowpack was really coming off in February and March. 
Mild snowpack usually melts off in May, June, and July, and of course we also get the rainfall during that same time. During the plain snowpack period where it's melting off, we normally see about 25% of the annual runoff coming to the system. During the three-month period where the mountain snowpack is melting off, we see about 50% of the annual runoff. So in that five-month period between March and July, we would normally see about 75% of the annual runoff coming to the system. During the other seven months out of the year is where we'd see that other 25%. Our forecast for 2017 is 29.4 million acre feet of runoff above Sioux City, Iowa. That's 116% of average. And again, this is our April 1st forecast. We update this at the beginning of each month. So I'm going to step through each one of those runoff components real quick. So our estimation of when the Plains snowpack peaked was in early February, February 4th. The snowpack was fairly widespread throughout the, the basin, but if you look at this legend over on the left-hand side here, you'll see where it says inches of water equivalent. So that's not snow depth. That's actually the amount of water that's in the snow. And you can see this coloration of gray through most of the upper basin, which is the zero to one. So it was not very substantial for most of the basin. But there were areas, especially in central North Dakota and parts of South Dakota, where it was significant. The second component is mountain snowpack. And when it comes to mountain snowpack, we're really only talking about two of the reservoirs, the upper two. Fort Peck and Garrison. And we monitor the mountain snowpack uh, with things called snow tail gauges up in the mountains. And for the reach above Fort Peck, this year we're about 93% of average. And between Fort Peck and Garrison, 136% of the uh, long-term 30-year average. Normally mountain snowpack melts um, on or about April 15th. And then the third component, which is observed precipitation. So if we look at this legend here, you can see where the shades of blue and purple are above normal precipitation, where we see shades of yellow and orange and red, that's below normal precipitation. If we look at what has occurred over the last three months, you see there's a, quite a variety throughout the basin. We have these areas in, in the Dakotas where you know, it was much less than normal, but then we also have areas where it was above normal precipitation, especially in, in parts of uh, western Nebraska and Kansas and parts of even Wyoming. If we look at the last 30 days, again, we can see a variation. Uh, some of the same patterns here, the Dakotas were, were drier than normal, but other portions of the basin were either normal, like here in Missouri and parts of Iowa, or even parts of above normal. And then we look at precipitation outlooks. So the one on the left, I'm on slide 12, um, indicates that for April, the Climate Prediction Center is indicating for most of the basin, it's just EC or equal chances. And what that means is equal chances for above normal, normal, and below normal precipitation. It's only in the upper parts of the basin in North Dakota and parts of, of Montana where there are slightly higher chances of above normal precipitation in April. When we extend this out three months for April, May, and June, um, the lower basin, again, is mostly in this equal chances, but the upper basin 
slightly higher probability of above normal precipitation. We also look at the drought conditions throughout the basin. Now, again, most of the basin here on the left side, on slide 13, uh, is in uh, no colors, which means that, that it's normal soil conditions. But there are parts of western South Dakota and then western Nebraska and Kansas and parts of Colorado where we are seeing some abnormally dry conditions. When we look at the outlook going through, um, this is right here, through the end of June, so I'm on the right side of the graphic, uh, we can see that some of those same areas, we see some persistence possibly here, and then drought conditions likely to, to get better here in other parts of the basin. But most of the basin would be under normal soil conditions. On slide 14, um, what we're showing here is 100 and, and almost 120 years of historical runoff above Sioux City, Iowa. And, and on the very far right side is where in red is what we're showing 2017, at 29.4 million acre feet I spoke about previously. This black line going across horizontally is the median. Now, it's not the average. It's the median, which means that 50% are above, 50% are below. And you can see that we've had these periods of extended drought, in fact, four of them, which are highlighted in the, the tan bars. Um, but what I also like to point out with this is the extreme variability that we see in our basin when it comes to runoff. So moving on to slide 15, so we're taking that 29.4 million acre feet that I talked about a couple times already, and we break it by month. Um, and so the blue bars indicate what has already occurred. The yellow line is what we're forecasting, and the red is the long-term average. So starting in January, you can see January is about normal. February, almost twice normal than what we normally see when it comes to runoff, and again, I spoke earlier about how most of the plain snowpack melted off in, in February. That's where you're seeing that. In March, nor runoff was about normal. We're expecting normal runoff in April. This May, June, and July above normal runoff is really a reflection of that mountain snowpack between Fort Peck and Garrison that was 133% of average. As we get into August, September, all the way through December, our forecast right now is for about normal runoff. So my last slide, before I turn it over to Mike, is uh, number 16, and talk about the service level increase. So with that 29.4 million acre feet of runoff that we, we forecast, and with our current storage in the reservoir system, uh, we have increased our service level slightly. Now Mike is actually going to give a little bit more detail during his presentation, um, but the the determination of, of whether or not and how much we increase the service level is really based on criteria that's in our master manual. Uh, it's called Plate 6-1, and it takes three things into consideration. What our current system storage is, how much forecasted runoff we have above, we have above Gavin's point that we're expecting to see during the calendar year, and then the available storage in the Bureau of Reclamation Reservoirs in Montana and Wyoming. So with all of that, uh, we did increase the service level adjustment by 5,000 on April 1st. Uh, and that is something that we will look at um, at the beginning of each month and make adjustments as necessary. And with that, I will turn it over to Mike.
Okay, thanks, Kevin. Uh, again, I'm Mike Swenson, one of the team leaders in the Water Management Office, and we're going to continue our presentation by talking about the expected results for authorized purposes in 2017. So I'm on slide 18 here. Uh, this slide shows the system storage in million-acre feet. Uh, the black line here is the system storage going back to the beginning of 2016. You follow that line up into our current forecast uh, lines here. The blue line is what we call the basic forecast, and that's based on the uh, 29.4 million acre feet of runoff that Kevin talked about earlier. And then we also bracket that runoff with a wetter condition and a drier condition, and we refer to those as the upper and lower basic forecast. And those are the two red lines shown on this slide. You'll also see uh, the three green triangles. Those are the system storage checks. The uh, first one here is the March 15th storage check. That sets the navigation service levels for the first half of the navigation season. The July 1st storage check sets the navigation service level for the second half of the navigation season and also the navigation season length. And then the September 1st uh, storage check sets the Gavin's Point winter release level. So if you go back to this black line here, you can see uh, we started, and this is the pattern that Gavin talked about earlier, uh, we started 2016 right at the base of the annual flood control zone. We captured runoff during the year uh, from the plains and mountain snow, and then that water was gradually evacuated through the remainder of the year. And so that we started 2017, again, right near the base of the annual flood control zone. We started to accumulate some water in the annual uh, flood control zone this year. And then if you follow the blue line, again, the basic forecast, you can see that continues to rise. Uh, we peaked sometime about the middle of summer, up around 62 million acre feet. And then again, that water is uh, evacuated throughout the remainder of the year um, to meet the authorized purposes. You'll see under all three of these scenarios that we do still come in under the base of the exclusive flood control zone uh, that Kevin talked about earlier. Uh, slides 19, 20, and 21 are similar uh, to the first slide you saw there, except they show reservoir elevation uh, rather than storage. And, and so we have Fort Peck, Garrison, and Milwaukee in here. And I won't go into as much detail on those uh, three slides I would point out, though, that um, you see the same kind of pattern here, uh, capturing of water during the runoff year, and then that water is gradually evacuated uh, throughout the remainder of the years so that we start the runoff season again at the base of the annual flood control zone. I would also point out in all three of them that if you look at the blue line, we do show a gradually rising pool here kind of in April and May. And we'll touch on that again when we get to the Fish and Wildlife uh, Project purpose. So moving on to the individual uh, project purposes. First one, flood control. As you saw in the earlier slide, all 2016 flood water was evacuated from the reservoir system uh, by mid-December. And as Kevin talked about, we did make a service level adjustment on April 1st. Um, and as Kevin's slide showed, um, the purpose of that service level increase is to uh, spread the release or uh, spread the evacuation of the water out over a longer period to reduce risk. 
Um, and again, you saw in the earlier slide, storage space is still available to capture runoff and reduce releases for downstream flood events. And it is important to note that flooding can still occur due to downstream rainfall, and that's particularly uh, true downstream of Gavin's Point. Our ability to reduce uh, stages diminishes as you move downstream uh, due to increased travel times. And as Kevin pointed out on his earlier slide, that large uncontrolled or unregulated area uh, below Gavin's Point. I'm on slide 23 now. This shows hydropower generation since 1954. Uh, hydropower is uh, largely influenced by the amount of water that goes through the system, or uh, in, in other words, the runoff. So you can see this high period in during the 90s here with a lot of hydropower generation, but we also had during the recent drought period from 2000 to 2007, much lower generation. Uh, generation has rebounded in recent years, although last year uh, generation was only 7.6 billion kilowatt hours. With our higher than normal uh, runoff forecast this year, we're showing a generation of 10.3 billion kilowatt hours. That's uh, slightly higher than the long-term average of about 9.3 billion kilowatt hours. Uh, navigation on uh, slide 24. Uh, we did increase Gavin's Point releases from the winter release uh, rate up to uh, some higher flows about mid-May, excuse me, mid-March. Um, and then, as Kevin mentioned, we did do the service level adjustment of 5,000 CFS at the beginning of April. Um, so now we have some re revised target flows downstream. So, for example, Nebraska City, the full-service flow target would normally be 37,000 CFS. With this increased service level, it's now 42,000 CFS. Um, normally, the next storage check then would be the July 1st storage check. However, with this adjustment to the service level, we will continue to check that throughout the runoff season and make any additional adjustments that we need to. Under the basic and upper basic forecast that we're showing right now, we do have above full service flow support continuing throughout the runoff season, and also we show a 10-day uh, season length extension uh, is likely with those two uh, upper forecasts, the basic and the upper basic. Uh, slide 25 here, water supply, water quality, irrigation, and recreation. These four project purposes all require access to uh, water. And again, with that normal, excuse me, that above normal runoff forecast, we would expect normal to slightly above normal elevations and releases uh, from the project. And thus, we would expect no impact to irrigation and recreation. Uh, in terms of water supply, as part of our increased service level, we also increased the winter release rate. So Gavin's Point winter releases show uh, 20,000 CFS under the basic and upper basic forecast. That's compared to a more normal 17,000 CFS uh, winter release. Uh, if conditions were to dry up quite a bit here, we do show a 12,000 CFS winter release under the lower basic forecast. Again, with those higher release levels, we wouldn't expect any access issues uh, either below Gavin's Point or uh, between the reservoirs. Uh, moving on to fish and wildlife, uh, I mentioned earlier on the slide about the rising reservoir levels. Uh, it is uh, helpful during the fish spawn to have steady to rising levels. 
at the upper three projects, and that, again, that's Fort Peck, Garrison, and Oahe. If we don't have run up, runoff sufficient to keep all three of those reservoirs rising, we will favor Fort Peck and Oahe this year. What we mean by favor is we'll adjust releases at Fort Peck and Garrison to try to keep Fort Peck and Oahe rising. Um, we've already kind of talked about the uh, plain snow is, is basically melted and runoff. We probably won't be getting the mountain snowpack runoff in for a little while here. So depending on the timing and distribution of the runoff over the next several weeks, uh, we may or may not be able to keep um, all three of the reservoirs rising. The basic forecast does show all three of them rising, but, again, that's going to be dependent on, on timing and distribution of runoff. And we'll continue to minimize hours of deer release from Fort Randall uh, during the turn and plover nesting season. And lastly, we'll talk about the regulation for the threatened and endangered species. I'm on slide 28 here. We'll talk about the piping plover and the lease turn. Uh, for several years now, we've done uh, from Gavin's point what we call steady release flow to target. Um, what we do there is set a steady release at the beginning of the turn and plover nesting season, which starts about the middle of May, and we set a steady release that we think will get us or meet the flow targets through a, a portion of the nesting season, and then as uh, things typically dry up downstream later in the year, then we would increase releases or flow to target uh, to meet those downstream needs. Um, also, in some years, we've done cycling of Gavin's Point releases, and what I mean by cycling is we would have one day up at that steady release level followed by one or two days down at some lower level. Um, we have done this as a water conservation measure during drought periods, but this year it would more than likely be done uh, as a flood risk reduction measure, uh, those two, one or two down days providing some uh, downstream benefits. Um, we'll continue to do intraday or hourly peaking patterns at both Garrison and Fort Randall. These uh, intraday patterns give us consistent uh, stages on the uh, sandbars uh, below both Garrison and Fort Randall, and so we don't impact the birds uh, during the nesting season. And then we'll continue to do uh, measures to minimize take. And then uh, the last slide here. Um, this is the bimodal spring pulse for the pallet sturgeon, which was part of the 2003 amended biological opinions, reasonable and prudent alternative. Um, March and May spring pulses will not be implemented in 2017. Uh, we are currently pursuing the independent science advisory panel's uh, recommendations, uh, which includes development of a management plan, and while we're doing that, we'll forego spring uh, pulses. That management plan draft environmental impact statement uh, is currently out for review. That comment period closes on April 24th, so we invite people to um, make comments on that if they choose. And then in summary, uh, again, above average runoff forecast this year, reservoir levels and releases slightly higher than average, uh, but we expect good service to all the authorized purposes uh, in 2017. With that, I'll turn it back to Jody. Thank you, Kevin and Mike. Um, so at this point, uh, we'll open it up to questions or comments. Um, first, we'll start with anyone from state government, uh, from the 
governor's office, or also members of Congress or the representatives? Are there any comments, questions from those folks? Any tribal representatives or the have comments? How about other state agent agencies or city or county officials? Any other stakeholders have comments? Anyone from the media? Oh, go ahead. Uh, hi, Paul Lopesville with the Isaac Walton Lake calling from here. Thank you for doing the, the webinar. I'm sorry we w couldn't uh, see you guys in person last week, but uh, I should know this, but I don't remember the percentage off the top of my head. Give me, if you, if one of you can, the uh, percentage of runoff that comes from the area above Fort Peck in an, in an average year versus the area between Fort Peck and Garrison into the system. Okay, um, so on an annual basis, we get about 28% of our runoff from the Fort Peck Reach and about 42% from the reach between Fort Peck and Garrison. Uh, so we do get a lot more out of that reach that has the high snowpack. Um, the drainage area is more than twice as big, though, so you would expect more runoff. But, um, so those are the numbers, 28% and 42% of the total runoff above Sioux City. Thank you. Yep. We were prepared for that question. We had it earlier. <laughs> Any other questions, Paul? Uh, no, I'm uh, happy to see that uh, they'll try to do rice levels on the big three for forage and, and uh, game fish bonds. Uh, that's much appreciated. Okay. Any other stakeholders have questions? Anyone from the media? Any alibis? Okay, well, thanks for joining us on the call today. Sorry we missed you. It was here last week. Um, NWD out. Thanks.